Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. In the night skies, strange objects roam, many of them unidentified. Do you ever look to that darkling bowl of the sky, pierced only by the stars, and wonder if strangers come to us from out there? And if so, how many of them are among us already? Aliens, unrecognized. Are they friend or foe? Terrorist or goodwill ambassador? Always supposing they are there, I wonder sometimes, as I am sure the rest of you do. I told you, Moses, you would be part of the whole. And my father? He will not need you much longer. I have to stay with him to the end. So be it. You have chosen your own destiny. You have selected your own living death. Our mystery drama, Alien Presences, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Ian Martin and stars John Beale and Joan Shea. August 14th, 1958. Antelope Crossings, Nebraska. This is the story of today, but it began 21 years ago. You never heard of Antelope Crossings? That's not at all surprising. The population maybe is 105, including children. It's a post office, general store, and not even one street. It's just where two roads meet and leave again. Now that we're leaving, Jim... I kind of hate to go. I know how you feel, Ruth. No matter how barren it is, a person puts down roots. But we're lucky to get away. I reckon. Never could make much of a go of it here. Think it'll be better in Nebraska. I know it will. My brother Ace's farm's a real big spread. We can start to live like people there. Get you some fancy duds and all. Maybe even a TV set. Like I say, we're some lucky. Oh, don't say that. We wouldn't be if that terrible car accident hadn't snuffed out Asa and Sarah and hope their children like they were candles. The Lord give it and the Lord take it away. He should have taken us. We have nothing. Not even children. Oh, I guess the Lord knows best. Oh, you think we should travel in weather like this? Well, if anything happens, we'll be together. Bad weather or not, I got a feeling we're headed for a whole new life. Like you can't believe. Funny. If I'm honest, that's just how I feel. Can't you give any news on the radio, Jim? Listen for yourself, woman. Oh. Uh, maybe we should have stayed over till tomorrow. You miss the services? With me, the sole heir, and us, the only family? You, you know that don't make sense, Ruth. No, I, I, I reckon. Uh, funny to think of us chunking along in this old car with the trailer behind us, and everything we have in the whole wide world is here. Well, maybe after all these years, I can give you the life I always wanted to give you. 
You've always given me anything I wanted or needed, Jim Harden, except... Except my child. I, I didn't mean it that way. It's my fault as much as yours. Well, if we had money enough, we just might be able to find a way. You hush up now. We just better put our trust in prayer. It's a little late in life for us, Ruth, to have any prayers answered. We've got to be practical. What's that, Jim? Where? Oh, oh there to your left. He's coming right at us. We should stop the car. Oh, what is this? Well, I don't know. Maybe one of them big jet planes. It can't be. They always fly so high and then and straight. Look at this one. Why, it's spinning like some child goes up and hitting fire all around like a pinwheel. Well, what do you think it is? Well, it looks like one of them unidentified objects. Oh, it's that straight for Maybe a funny step. Funny step of what? The question is the Lord's will. Oh, sure, it's headed straight for us. Look out, Ruth. Look. Stop. What happened? Went right over us and crashed down there in the ravine. Oh. Come on, let's go see if we can help. Like nobody never seen it. Oh, oh, the shore is wilderness. And whatever crashed it, pretty near burned to a crisp already. Oh, Jim, we better see if we can help. I don't see how nobody could have lived through it. Well, it's only Christian to make sure. Of course. Come on. Oh. What do you suppose it could have been? A big jumbo jam? Looking down on it from here, I, I don't think so. There's no path cut through the trees. Oh. It's just like a drop, like a helicopter or, or a stone. Don't get too close, Jim. Oh, she's burned herself out by now. Funny. What? She must have had radio contact with the ground, big aircraft like that. There ought to be all sorts of rescue planes, whirly birds here by now. But the sky's plumb empty of everything. Surely they'll be here. You think... You think anyone's alive? Mm, not unless they were thrown clear. In the hour or so it took us to get down here, this must have been just plain hell. Everything's burned to a crisp. Well, we, we still ought to take a look. We sure will, Ruth. Just as soon as it cools off. Oh, what is it? I still don't know. Couldn't be one of our regular aircraft. All I can figure, it must be something from another... What was that? Some animal, maybe. No, no, no. It sounded like a baby crying. Huh? That's what it is. But where, Jim? Where? It echoes so here. This way, I think. Come on. Oh, maybe someone did survive the crash. Well, if they did, we're about to find out. There. In that juniper bush. Oh, quick, Jim. It's so hot there. Oh, okay. I got him. Or her, whatever it is. Oh, bleed quickly to the stream. Hurry. Oh, may the good Lord let him not be hurt or burned. Hush, little boy. Hush. 
No need to cry anymore. Is he burned? No. Oh, Jim, it's a miracle. What's he crying for? He's mother. For being alone. Oh, Jim. Jim. What is it, darling? Do you... Do you, do you suppose maybe... Maybe we could keep him? What? Keep the baby. Oh, how could we? We found him. And you said yourself nobody else could have gotten out of that crash alive. Oh, that don't mean this baby hasn't got other kids. There's bound to be some other people in his family. Well, suppose they don't want him. Well, that's something we can't decide. And just suppose there isn't anyone else in his family. Well, there's really no way of checking that out. Unless we take him to the authorities, get him identified. Authorities? Well, let's even suppose they do identify him, and he has no kin. Then what? Well, I, I guess he'd have to be put in some sort of home for a doctor. Then what chance would we have to do that? Well, well, I reckon from here on in we'd have enough money to... It isn't money, Jim. They'd say we were too old. Don't you see? This is a gift from God. Meant to be. This is, this is our baby. Now, now, hold on, honey. We can't figure that way. Someone else could be hankering over this baby and feeling just as deep as you do about him. I still say God sent him to us. Well, it could be. But we got no right to play God. You don't want him? Oh, of course I do. Just as much as you do, but... Then here's what we should do, Jim. Now, now you, you take me to a motel. Or a hotel. Get me some things I'll need for the baby. And, and then you go off to the funeral. Oh, Ruth, you can't keep that baby. Not without letting the police know what's happened. How do we know what's happened? How do we know this baby had anything to do with the aircraft that crashed? But, but, but let that go for the moment. All I'm asking for, Jim, is a little time. Time for what? To listen to the radio, the TV, watch the papers. Find out if anyone is looking for the baby. And if you do? Well, I'll return him, of course. If he belongs with someone else, that's where he should be. And if there's no news about him? Then I, I want to keep him for my... For our own, Jim. Well, I don't know what to say. That's me, Ruth. Did you get the newspapers? Yeah. And? No news in any of them about either the baby or the crash. I've been listening to the radio and watching TV. There's nothing there either. Well, it's still kind of early on, you know. For the newspapers, maybe. But radio and TV? Nothing at all on either of them yet? No. Well, what are we going to do? Well, you're going to get in that car and go to the funeral and leave me here with Moses. With who? The boy. I found him like Pharaoh's daughter. Oh. But unlike her, I will nurse him for myself. Well, why don't you both come along with me? How could you suddenly explain the child? It's better this way, Jim. All right. I'll be on my way. And I hope when I come back for you, it won't be for you alone. Oh, 
And I miss you, Jim. I bet you didn't much with him to take care of. The baby? Oh, Jim, don't talk that way. I love him. He's so wonderful. But that wouldn't interfere with you and me ever. I know. I can't wait to see him myself. You will. He'll be awake any moment now. But before he does wake up, do you have any news? Nope. Asa left us everything free and clear. It's a right good farm. And we can make a good life on it. That's nice, but I, I meant about little Moses in there. Jim, how are we going to be able to keep him? Oh, I don't know, Ruth. There isn't a sign of anyone looking for him. Not a word on TV or radio. Nothing in the papers. Have you seen her anything? No. And it's been pretty near a whole week now. We're taking an awful risk, honey. Where did this miracle child come from? Something comes hurtling out of the sky into the wilderness, and every trace of what it was is burned to ashes, along with whoever flew with it or rode in it, except just this one baby. Well, his father or mother took a chance and, and, and threw him clear. But from what? What kind of aircraft can fly the sky today without some record being made of it? Where was it headed? Where did it take off from? Why doesn't someone, somewhere, an individual, a control tower, I don't know what, but why doesn't someone know that that aircraft is missing? What are you trying to get at, Jim? I'm just trying to say that, well, the only answer I can come up with is, is that what we saw crash and whose ashes are now already buried under the new growth Something from outer space. That's where you think our little Moses came from? Where else? Well, you come inside to the room with me, Jim. Now, don't get mad, Ruth. I'm not mad. I'm just plain soft. I'm not giving him up. Just look, Jim. Just look down at that sweet baby. Try to tell me he's something from outer space. Why, well, he's the most human thing you ever saw in your life. You're right, Ruth. Just, just the kind of boy I've always wanted. He's ours, Jim. We're going to bring him up right. Love and tenderness. We're going to be proud of him. And we're never going to be sorry. Brave words, Ruth. And perhaps you'll be proven correct. Still, what you're doing is outside the law and may have many unexpected repercussions. You and your husband, Jim, are taking an awesome chance. You have no way of knowing the background of the baby you have called Moses in this world or possibly in some other. I shall return shortly with Act Two. fears Ruth or her husband Jem or anyone might have had were dispelled in the 21 years that have passed. Moses Harden has been a joy to his adoptive parents, although he never has known that he is not their own. He has been a loving child, a brilliant student, and thoughtful son. Only two things have set him aside. 
He has always been a grave and very contemplative boy, even withdrawn at times. And starting with kindergarten, his unusual height has set him apart. For Moses Harden, at 21 years old, stands at 7 feet 6 inches. Oh, I sure do hate to see the fall creeping on so fast. You used to say it was one of your favorite times of year, Mom. Well, that's until you went off to college. And now professional basketball. Oh, it's such a long, long season. <laughs> you should have to play it. The last months are a grind. Oh, you know that isn't true. Must be wonderful to be a hero. To be the best at anything. I don't feel I'm the best. I have certain... Natural advantages, that's all. You're a big, big man. Sometimes it's hard for me to see in you that little baby I used to hold over my heart. Yeah. I'm sorry I turned out to be such a, a freak. You're not a freak. You're a very handsome man, all in proportion. The best athlete in the country, and a mind just as special. Just a little outsized is all. King size, you mean. The proud mother always overlooks the fall. The proud mother is grateful for what she's had all these years. Had? Oh, you know what I mean. You're grown up and ready to spread your wings now that your big basketball star is... You don't need us anymore. I'll always need you and Dad, Mom. You'll never know how much. You're the center of my life, the balance wheel I... I can't do without you. That Moses Harden, will you stop it? You're going to be crying. I never would want to do that, Mom. You never have. That way. I, I mean, tears of happiness. Happiness I don't deserve. Oh, my dear boy, if you only knew... I know a lot more than perhaps you think I do, Mom. Now, what are you trying to... Oh, dear, here comes your father. Now, I haven't even set the table yet. Well, there isn't all that much her for dinner. Forty years we've been married, and I never once let him come home from the fields without the table being set and ready. And now you go on, Moses. Go meet him on the porch till I get everything done. <laughs> All right, Mom. Hi, Dad. Uh, hi there, Big Mo. Where's Mom? Oh, getting things ready for dinner, I guess. You're a bit early. Well, I figured with you leaving tonight, no, the crop would take care of itself without any extra help from me. Matter of priorities. Don't get to see all that much of you anymore. Well, me and Topsy, we went and rode. <laughs> you can say that again. <laughs> you suppose I'm never going to stop, Dad? Oh, we all do sooner or later. Just plain human nature. Human nature. Well, if Mom's ready in dinner, I guess I better get cleaned up. Well, she's not ready yet, Dad. Uh, why don't you sit with me here on the porch and have a talk? Oh, I'm pretty grimy from the field. Oh, it's good clean dirt. You mind if I want to talk to you? Well, sure not, boy. What's on your mind? It's about Mom. Your mother? What? Did you know she's hiding something? She's sick somehow. She told you? No. Then how do you know that, Mo? Well, lots of things I can sense, Dad, without knowing all the way. Yeah, you always did have second sight or something, even when you was a boy. But about your mother, I wouldn't worry. We've talked some about it, but it's, it's nothing. Just an ache or a pain here or there. You get to our age, you're bound to have a few. When was the last time she saw a doctor? Well, I, I don't rightly recall. I want you to promise me to take her to one tomorrow. For the first chance you get. And the best. Um, oh, I don't know that... You promised me, Dad. 
We're scared to death the doctor might find something wrong. Just like mine. How do you know? It doesn't matter. What does is I do know. You promise? You two are going to spend all night out there on the porch? Jim, you better get cleaned up for dinner. I'm coming right away, Ruth. Promise. I promise, sir. And you let me know right away if it's anything serious. Set to go stepping. Hey, Big Mo, what's the matter, man? Ain't you never going to get dressed? You and me are last out. Oh, I didn't notice, Woody. I have some things on my mind. <laughs> sure wasn't on basketball to practice today. The coach eats you out? No. Hey, what's with you, man? You still, uh, you still worried about your old lady? Some. I thought you told me the sawbones give her a clean bill of health. I did. Or at least Dad wrote me he did. Last time I talked to Mom on the phone, she sounded fine. Well, then what else is eating you? Yeah, nothing new. Man, where do you go? Hmm? Well, you're in another world half of the time. No way to reach you. Like you just wasn't one of us. I don't mean to seem that way, Woody, but... But I guess, in a sort of a way, I am. Yeah, I don't think you... Well, we'll, we'll take my size alone, huh? I can't be like everyone else at seven and a half feet and growing. There practically isn't anyone else my size. Ah, come on. You live in a basketball world. You're not all that outsized. Uh, it's only part of it. What's the rest? <sighs> Something I can't talk about. Oh, won't. Now, you, you wouldn't understand. Hey, I better get that. Locker room, Woody Spade. Hmm? Oh, listen. Well, sure, sure. He, he, he's right here. Hello. Yeah? A long-distance call for you. Who is it? Well, I guess it's your father. Well, I'll take it. Hello? Yeah, Dad? Well, what is it? Oh, no. But how... I thought... You said... Well, was it bad? That's good. I'll catch the next plane home. Oh, forget the season, the games. We'll talk when I get home. Bad news, huh? My mom died. Oh, Big Mo, that's terrible. It's worse than that. I only have two connections with the world. And now one of them's gone. Tell me, Dad. Why didn't you tell me? Your mother wouldn't let me. But, but she knew as soon as she went to the doctor. Once the tests were in. And, and you didn't let me know then? Well, what could you have done? There wasn't any alternative. It couldn't be operated on. It was only a matter of time. I could have been back here to spend that time with her. And give up your career? Oh, so what do you think a career means next to Mom? The only reason I played basketball is because it was the quickest, surest way of paying you back for all you did for me. And, and I never really had enough chance to do that for her. Don't you know that just by being, you put us both in your debt forever? Dad, I'm not like other people. I know that. And you know it. And I suppose so did Mother. Isn't it time to tell me who I really am? I don't... I don't know how to answer you, son. 
I was adopted. I mean, I'm not really your child. Or mom's. Well, thank God you never asked her that question. I wish... I wish it had never been asked at all. <laughs> what is it, Dad? Oh, it's nothing. Just some indigestion. Oh, that's what Mom said, and I accepted it. Not this time. We're going to get you to a doctor. I know you mean well, will you? But you can tell, Coach, I'm just not coming back. Moses, man, you got to get with it. They got lawyers from here to Tuesday. No. I know what trouble you're in, but they're going to bust your contract. I don't care. Well, I'm sorry about that, but I need my dad more. You mean he needs you? I meant what I said. He's dying. And once he's gone, I'm lost. No way to explain it. Thanks for the try, Woody. Don't think too bad of me. You, coach, any of the fellas. I, I never really was one of you. I'm somebody who's got to find my own way. Pretty cold for you to be out here on the porch, Dad. Uh, I, I want to enjoy it while I can. Second Indian summer. Just the same. I, I, I don't want you worrying about me. This, this is nothing. The doctor said I'd be back you on You don't my have feet. to tell me what the doctor said, Dad. But I want No, to. you don't. You want to hide what he said for me. But you can't. What do you mean? I don't ask to know what people are thinking. Really thinking. I've always known. Because I can read it like it was written in a book. You can? Dad, I know. I'm not really your child. I've read that in yours and Mom's minds all my life. No matter how hard you tried to hide it from me. But I've never been able to sense deep enough is... Where did I really come from? Who am I? Why am I so strange? Oh, I guess we had no right to keep it from you. Just, we didn't understand it all the way ourselves. And the truth was too hard to believe. I'd planned to tell you anyways before I died. Well, I reckon now's the time. told me, and now I know why I've never been able to belong, because this isn't my world, I'm an alien, I lie on my bed waiting for sleep which won't come, because I'm afraid, I'm as alone as if I'd crash landed on Mars, the only one of my kind, condemned to remain a sort of self-imposed pariah for the rest of my life. And then, out of the night, the sky ship came aboard. Don't be afraid, Moses. We are coming for you. You are not alone. Now you can go back to where you belong. Is 
the deep sound of the whirling mechanism a psychic reaction to the truth his father has just told him? Is there really a space voice calling to him? Is Moses Harding just a freak of nature or a creature from a civilization we can scarcely dream of, let alone imagine? I shall return shortly with Act Three. night comes the strange high whine of the spinning disc from the beyond. Out of the roar and buzz of its revolving mass comes the deep, compelling voice from an alien presence. The words are reassuring, but are they to be believed? And how will Moses Harden react to the voice's offer? Or is this all a dream in the mind of a tortured young man who has lost his mother and is about to lose his father? You have no place here, Moses. Come home. I can't. Why not? He needs me. Who? My father. What is a father? There is no such thing. He he brought me up. He sacrificed everything for me. He and my mother. You live in a primitive civilization. Father and mother are outmoded words. You are only a part of the whole. And the whole is the state and the living. Come back. Well, would I be a part of you? Would I stop being different? Would I not feel alone? I told you, you would be a part of the whole. And my father? There is no room for him. He will soon be a non-person. I have to stay with him to the end. Can't you wait a little? Or, or come back? No. You must make your decision now. I, I want to be with my own, where I'm not a stranger. But I cannot leave my father now. He, he needs me too much. So be it. You have chosen your own destiny. We cast you out. The world you live in has no place for you. You have selected your own living death. In the inadequate bed, as all beds are inadequate for my height. I'm in a cold sweat from the dream. Or was it a dream? Have I thrown away my future? Or is it all fantasy? I don't know what I might have expected to wake into the next day. But certainly not the miracle that happened. Dad was feeling very bad that morning. A lot of pain. I had brought his breakfast tray downstairs, virtually untouched. I was on my way to the kitchen when the convertible drove on. And she got out. She had a cloud of dusty blonde hair and misty gray eyes. She had all the requisite physical charms and wonder of wonders. When she uncoiled herself from under the wheel and stood up, She was the first woman I had met in my stratosphere. Her eyes couldn't have been more than an inch below mine. She blew my mind in that one first look. But all she said was... Excuse me for busting in, Big Mo. We've met? No. I don't even know why I asked her. 
I couldn't have forgotten you. I've been wanting to meet you for a long time. Well, what is it? Press? I think it's time for us to talk together. Why? I don't read you. You mean what I think? Uh, yes. You can't, unless I want you to. I'm shielding. You're what? Shielding. Don't you do that? Well, I... I guess I don't know what you mean. Ah, now I see. I suspected, but I wasn't sure. You've never met any of us, have you? Us? The fugitives. The exorcised. The lost. I don't quite understand. <laughs> Poor boy. You really are lost now. It must have been awful for you. Everybody and his uncle's thoughts rattling and jangling in your head, and you with no way of knowing how to shut them out. You are for real. You do know. I promise you, I do. I'm lucky to have found you in time. Well, in time for what? Before Calcour got to you and sold you a bill of goods. Calcour? The false ambassador of goodwill who would offer any of us anything within reason to return to Centauri Planet 7. Th then he was here. He did come. What did you say to him? I turned him down. Why? Don't you want to go back? How could I go back to somewhere I never was? How did you get to Earth? I, I don't quite know. Um, my stepfather has told me there was an aircraft crash. The craft was burned to a cinder and buried in the wilderness. But, but he and Mom found me just a baby. And because they wanted a child and there seemed to be no one to claim me, they brought me up as their own. It must have been very difficult for you, Mo. Oh, not really. There was so much love and so much happiness. The worst were the thoughts. For so long, when I was a kid, I, I didn't understand that I was so different. I thought everyone knew what everyone else was thinking. Why, it got me in a lot of trouble till I realized that I was the only one who did. Well, that would have been enough to set me apart, but by then, I'd started to grow. When does it stop? I mean, when do we... We're not all that peculiar, Mo. You might grow a few more inches, but that will be it. Well, how can you be so sure? I'll let you judge that for yourself. If you'll allow me to take you to the heartland. Well, I can't go anywhere with you. Uh, oh, what's your name? I'll unshield my mind and think of it so you may read it for yourself. Andaria. Is that all? In the world we came from, one name was enough. I wonder what mine would have been. It doesn't matter. If you come with me, you shall be anointed and given a new one if you want. I told you, I, I can't come with you. Why not? I can't leave my father. He's dying. Bring him with you. We will welcome him in. He, he can't be moved. And I cannot stay. I'm already overdue with their waiting for me. Who? My people. Our people. Oh, don't leave me, Andaria, please. I must. Walk me to the car. Where is the heartland? How do I find it? What is it? It's the valley where most of our people landed in the Great Migration. What migration? Hymenopters came. Came in swarms by the billion, swallowing most of us in clouds of poison gas and striking us down with death rays. We were a peaceful people, without weapons of war. And to save our civilization, we had to scatter all over the universe. Many of us landed here on Earth, our astral fuel exhausted. The bulk of them landed in the valley of the heartland. 
Before you go, you must tell me how to get there. I can't, Mo. When you are ready to come, one of us will read the signal and come for you. Goodbye, Mo. Hey, uh, wait a minute, Andaria! Andaria! jumped in my own car and followed her. But at that very minute, my father cried out for me. And I went and said to him, he was in pain and I gave him his medicine. He didn't wait until dinner. But afterwards, he perked up some and we talked long into the night. I know you, you've always been special, son. And we had no right to you. I hope you never get punished for whatever wrongs me and your mom did. You never wronged me. Either of you, Dad. You gave me all things that made it possible for me to live in this world. Love, understanding, the only inner peace I ever had. Why don't you stop agonizing over your height, Mo? There's lots of tall people today growing bigger all the time. You don't understand, Dad. I can't shut it out. I know what everyone is thinking. I can feel the hate and the jealousy and the resentment. All the things people try to choke down. But here on the farm, there's such peace. Or has been, except for you and... You won't have me to worry about much longer. don't, Don't feel sad. I'm going to join Ruth. You worried me. What about this fellow, Cal Coor, who could take you back where you came from? Maybe you should go with him. And Daria says he's the enemy. Well, how do you know you can trust her? And you don't even know how to find the valley. But if that's where I belong, I'll find it. And wherever I am... Your mother and I will pray that you do. I love you, son. Good night. It was the last word he said to me. He died peacefully that night. And now was completely alone. A stranger in an alien world. It was nearly dawn before I fell asleep. Or was I asleep or awake? And the air was full of their humming noise. And the voice called me out into the night. Moses! Moses! Who called me? It is Calcourt. I have relented and come to bring you home. (laughs) But you are my enemy. And Daria told you that, but she lied. And she is not for you. She's already promised. To whom? To the fourth. Who is he? He is the one who succeeds the elder when his force is gone. What is he? He is nothing. Only an empty title. Don't listen to him, Moses. He is the center of us. Our leader. The one Calcourt seeks. To destroy. Leave him alone. Don't trust her. Don't trust him. Don't go with him, Moses. He will have no choice. We will take him. Save him. Moses. 
the force has been lost ever since the migration. But the elder tells me it could be you. Don't let them take you. Resist. Crash into the ship. Don't listen to the woman. Don't worry, Andaria. I'll fight. I won't lose you. By the God, he is the force. Come away from him. Come away. We have no weapons to stand against the force. Twenty-four hours, and Ari had come back for me. There was no sign of the Hymenopterus attack, save a large burned area in a field near the house, with the tall grass flattened as if by something spinning in a counterclockwise direction. And within a week, and Daria and I had sold the farm, and were headed for the heartland. Your father was the force before you. He had long felt our planet was nearing the end of its useful life, and he had gone out to scout the galaxy for a better home for us. Somehow, he was lost and never came back. That's when the Hymenopters dared to attack us. And you were promised to me. The day I was born. The same day as you. My father, the Elder, and your father, the Force, made a solemn promise. Supposing I hadn't turned out to be my father's son. Oh, don't ask me that. How could I have decided between honor and love? Fortunately, the decision never had to be made. I love you, Andaria. As I love you. And am proud of you. For you will lead us back to Alpha Centauri. No. I have no stomach for war or killing. If the valley, the heartland, is as peaceful as you say, let us stay there and build our own new world. The other is dying. But this one, oh, Andario, once you teach me to live in it at peace, with a little imagination and a lot more determination, a paradise we can make of it. Not a bad ambition. One we could all and should share. And perhaps, for all the agonies it can cause, there might be a rebirth of hope if we could all read exactly what is in people's thoughts and what are their desires. Deep in the heart of everyone, surely, the main, the only desire is peace at last. I'll be back shortly. Listen on a fall evening to the crickets, the birds, and a thousand rustlings of small hidden animal and insect life. A whole myriad of worlds within worlds. Then look up to the stars and the infinity of our universe. You know that somewhere out in the stars, there must be other life. Has got to be. I wonder if it will cross our paths 
in this century. Our cast included John Deal, Joan Shea, John Lithgow, and Ian Martin. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. <laughs>